Hello and welcome to CBS Radio Mystery Theater from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. like a funeral gone by. The future comes like an unwelcome guest. The future. The impenetrable, imponderable future. As the song says, who knows what tomorrow will bring? Well, would you like to know? The rest of your life is a book that has not yet been printed. However, would you like an advanced copy? A sort of pre-publication preview. The purpose of the next hour is to make you think about it. Are you sorry you married me? What kind of a question is that? Answer it, Gretchen. It depends on how I feel at any given time. How do you feel most of the time? Most of the time, I say I was sorry. Why don't you do something about it? Now that you mention it, I've been planning to. You want to... Talk about divorce? No. I've got a better way. A quicker way. Right here in my purse. Gretchen. You should know, Harold. Divorce is a sin. Our mystery drama, Tomorrow's Murder, was written especially for the Mystery Theater by Sam Dan and stars Robert Dryden. It is sponsored in part by Sinoff, the Sinus Medicines, and Buick Motor Division. I'll be back shortly with Act One. Open space. How the suffocated cities cry for green fields, tall trees... And how few are the lush and verdant places. Well, you do have Morrison City Memorial Park, which, quite frankly, is a cemetery. When it was laid out years ago, it was on the outskirts of town. But Morrison City grew up to, around, and past Memorial Park. And it is now surrounded by offices, shops, homes, apartment houses. People go for walks along its broad pathways... They rest on its benches. And why not? Shouldn't it please the dead to play host to the living? Harold K. Starbright usually has a relaxed and leisurely stroll through Memorial Park right after lunch. And as he walks along, a rather well-dressed gentleman speaks to him. I beg your pardon, sir. May I trouble you for a light? Oh, I don't think I have one because I stopped smoking. I... Oh, oh, yes, yes, here... Keep them. Oh, thank you. You're very kind. Oh, if I were really kind, I would have refused you. What you're doing, after all, is oh, terrible. Oh, yes, I know, I know. I'm afraid I don't have enough character to break the habit. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said anything. After all, I am a perfect stranger. Well, that's true. But you see, only strangers can be perfect. Our friends, we know all too well. You come here often? Yes. Yes, my office is right across the street delightful place for a bit of fresh air. Yes, one of my favorite haunts, too. <laughs> or is that a proper word? 
don't believe I've ever seen you before. Well, I have a hobby. Though I don't suppose you could call it a hobby, exactly. What is it? Cemetery sculpture. Oh? Mm-hmm. It's hardly the type of thing you'd want to collect, or, or could, for that matter. Cemetery sculpture? Well. Yes. And if you think about it, it's the most prevalent form of sculpture there is. Mm, yes, I suppose so. And it's an art form not to be despised. Now, for example, that statue. It's a beautiful little thing. How graceful. Yeah. Now that you mention it, I... I've never really noticed it. Hmm. And on that monument, notice the relief. How clean and crisp. You know, you've opened my eyes to an entirely new thing. Well, not all of it, of course, is noteworthy. But here and there, you encounter a gem. Here's what I'm talking about. Hmm? This tombstone. How exquisitely proportioned. A simple shaft of stone. But what perfect balance... The delicate scroll work along the sides and the top. <laughs> Almost filigreed lace. You notice? Yes, I think so. And the lettering. How precise. How free-flowing. How his name seems to shine forth. Gerald Arthur Lyons. Born April 20th, 1917. Died June 4th, 1969. Yes. And look. Where? Just a few feet over this way. An almost identical stone. Well, it's even better. Obviously the work of the same sculptor. See, the same delicate lines, the same beautiful lettering. That name. And a feeling of great dignity. The name on the tombstone. Yes. It reads Harold K. Starbright. That's my name. That's me. You? <laughs> Why, that's... That, that's my name, Harold Kenneth Starbright. That's who I am. Well, obviously, it's, it's a coincidence. Harold Kenneth Starbright, born July 1st, 1937. That's my birthday. Well, died. Look. Look at that date. Look. Died March 15th, 1978. March 15th, 1978? How's that possible? I, I, I don't understand. March 15th, 1978 hasn't happened yet. Is that what's going to happen to me? I'm sure there must be some mistake. My name, my exact date of birth, and the day of my death. March 15th, 1978. Is... That the day I'm going to die? Well, I'm sure there must be some explanation. I, uh, I, Sir, I, I, are you all right? That's my tombstone. My tombstone. <gasps> Mr. Starbright. Mr. Starbright. Somebody call a cop. Get an ambulance. Harold? Yes? It's me, Gretchen. The doctors here at the hospital think it's wise for you to stay overnight. Yes? You fainted in Memorial Park. What was the matter? I fainted because I was terribly frightened. What are you saying? I, uh, I was walking along in Memorial Park. On such a lovely day, what could frighten you? A tombstone. Oh, whose tombstone? Mine. <laughs> what? I saw my own tombstone. But how... 
How do you know it was your tombstone? It had my name on it. Harold Kenneth Starbright. Oh, there could be more than one Harold Kenneth. It had the date of my birth and the date of my death. How could it have the date of your death? You're still alive. It's the date. Harold Kenneth Starbright died March 15th, 1978. Harold, you need rest. Now get some sleep. Get some sleep? Well, in a year I'll be dead. Uh, darling, why don't I ring for the nurse? Ring and tell her I'm leaving. But you can't do that. I'm taking you to that cemetery and I'm going to show you that tombstone. Harold, you're not well. I'm perfectly all right. It's just that I'm, I'm, I'm scared to death. You'll feel better tomorrow morning. You don't believe me, do you? You don't believe I saw my own tombstone. Well, why don't we wait for Fred? Fred Stoneman's a quack. Oh, Harold. I'm getting dressed and I'm taking you to that cemetery. But, darling, there, there is something wrong with you. That's why you have to see that tombstone. That'll convince you that there's nothing wrong with me. All right. All right. But let's wait till Fred Stoneman has a last look at you. I don't want to see him. Harold, what happened between you and Fred? Why this sudden hostility? I never liked him. You, you never liked... But you went to college together. You were boys together. He's your best friend. That doesn't mean I like him. Harold, now I know something's wrong. What happened to turn you against Fred? Wait a minute. Why are you so worried about Fred all of a sudden? And why don't you answer my question? I have more important things to do right now. Well, the most important thing you have to do right now is rest. Oh, Fred, I'm so glad you're here. Harold, uh, what's this the resident's been telling me? You got upset over some tombstone? Why? Why? Because it's mine. Well, did you order one night? Some folks do, you know. He's not well, Fred. Well, what's bothering you, Harold? What's bothering me? After what I saw today, you can ask me that question. Now, look, I want to get dressed, and I want the two of you to come with me. Fred, would that be wise? Uh, Harold, I'm I... going back to that cemetery, and you can come with me or not, as you like. Now, now you say you saw this tombstone, your tombstone. That's true. Hmm? All right, Harold. Why? What do you mean, Why? Well, what is it doing there? Well, how do I know? Who put it there? What are you asking me these questions for? Because I want to know why you should believe you're going to be dead within the year. All I'm telling you is what I saw. Now, you are in the best of health. Now, why should you be dead in a year? What, what premonitions do you have of your death? Huh? Look, all I know is what I saw engraved on that tombstone. Well, somehow you're convinced you'll be dead within the year, and that's why you saw it. I saw it because I happened to be walking by, and there it was. No, Harold, it's not there. It's here in your mind. Oh, first I get it from Gretchen, and now I get it from you. Everybody's trying to take some psychological stew out of this. There is no... No such gravestone. But I saw it. But it doesn't exist in reality. Reality is waiting for you on a plot of ground in Morrison City Memorial Park. Now, let's settle this once and for all. This is the path we were walking along. We? This man and I. He stopped to ask me for a match, and we began to chat. Now, just, just a minute, Harold. What? He stopped you to ask for a match. Did you give it to him? What kind of a question is that? Of course I gave it to him. Well, how could you? You don't carry matches. You haven't for the last ten years since you stopped smoking. I'm telling you what happened in your dream. It wasn't a dream. It was real. Ah, uh, of course. Don't, don't humor me, Fred. 
We walked and we talked about the kind of sculpture you can see in a cemetery. Why should anyone discuss such a gruesome subject? Well, obviously, Harold is in a morbid mood these days. <laughs> What's morbid? Why is it gruesome? Look at all the time you're going to spend under that stone. Shouldn't it be a work of art? Uh, uh, very, very well. Now, you encountered this gentleman and you discussed this particular subject. Uh, then what? Well, we were right here. He called this particular stone to my attention. You see? It reads, Gerald Arthur Lyons, born April 20th, 1917, died June 4th, 1969. I remember... Well... Just a few feet over this way, an identical stone, just as beautifully carved. Where? Oh, right here. Just a few steps to the left. Well, I... Wait, 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 wait a minute. No, I think it was to the right. Uh, Harold? Just a second now, wait, wait, let me get my bearings. It, uh... It was the identical stone. Well, I don't see any stone around here that looks just like this one. Well, it was here. Harold, don't you think that you... The stone been... was here, with, with, with my name on it. It was here, I tell you. Sure it was, Harold. Sure it was. Sure it was. Or was it? Well, remember this. He has a witness. The gentleman who pointed it out to him originally. And he has all of us who were present at the scene. We know who we are, but who was the gentleman? The gentleman. I fear I must withhold his identity until Act Two, which I shall bring to you in just a few moments. of my death have been greatly exaggerated, said Mark Twain when he opened a newspaper one morning and read his obituary. Well, what is Harold Kenneth Starbart supposed to say? He has seen not an item in the press, which after all is only printed paper, but his own tombstone, which has been engraved in granite. That is, he is convinced he saw it. On a return trip to the cemetery, he is having a bit of trouble locating that tombstone. But it was here... It was right here. I, 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 I was standing here, and it was... Harold, you've got to go back to the hospital. Well, I tell you... Now, now, Harold, the thing, the thing to do is not to get excited. Just try to gather your wits. I'm not crazy. Darling, nobody said you were. Harold, we'll take you back, and then you can rest and relax. Everybody talks to me as though I were crazy. I know what I saw... I know it. All right, just a minute. Well, hello, Harold. Fred. Gretchen isn't home. Uh, may I come in? Well, thought I'd check up on you. I'm okay, thanks. You want a drink? Uh, why did you say that? You saw me and you said Gretchen isn't home. It was practically a reflex action. Well, maybe I did say it. Why? Obviously, I've come here to see you. All right, all right, all right. Skip it. Well, if you don't want to talk about it, we don't have to, but... I'm... Come on. Now, what is bothering you, Harold? 
And and what was all that about the the tombstone? All I did, I walked along that cemetery and... Yes, yes, I heard that story, but it didn't happen. All right, go ahead. Say I had an hallucination. All right, now look, let me tell you what I did. I did what you should have done, the sensible, the practical thing. Now, after all, people just don't get buried in cemeteries. They just don't erect tombstones where and when they please. You, you have to buy space. Now, it's real estate, just like anything else. Now, you get a deed, a title, uh, whatever. Now, look, Fred, don't make fun of me. I'm in no mood. I am serious. Now, I went to the office of the cemetery. I asked the manager, has a plot been bought here for a Mr. Harold K. Starbright? And he said no. And I asked, has a monument been erected here in the memory of uh, Mr. Harold K. Starbright? And he said, how, if Mr. Starbright doesn't have a grave here? And I said, could a monument have been erected without their knowing it? And he said, impossible. Show me the monument. Well, I couldn't. So, shouldn't that be the end of it? I only know I'm not crazy. Well, then, then maybe it all goes back to my original question. What question for crying out loud? I asked you why you opened the door and said to me, Gretchen isn't home. I don't know why I said that. Ah, yes, you do. It means that you think I came here to see Gretchen. All right. Maybe that is what I think. <sighs> okay. Now, it's out in the open. You having an affair with my wife, Fred? No. Are you in love with her? Harold, I'm a married man. That doesn't answer the question. Are you in love with her? Look, you are my best friend. You still haven't answered the question. I know. Well? The fact that you can ask such a question means you can only expect one answer. Yes. Then, is that your answer? Uh, maybe. What does that mean? I don't know what it means. Look, I'm trying to be honest with you and with myself the first time I've ever been confronted with that question. You know, we... The both of us have known Gretchen since we were kids. Have I been in love with her, too? Well, have you? Something has come over you. I don't know what. But suddenly you, you see relationships more clearly than ever. Actually, with a kind of a frightening clarity. And then, then this tombstone thing. I know, it's, it's very scary. I saw that tombstone. It was real. I don't care what anyone says. Well, if it was real to you, then that's real enough. But why did you see it? I wish I could tell you. Well, maybe I can tell you. Things at the office are not too good, are they? They're very bad. Are you worried? It's, uh, it's this new vice president, Jones. He's the administration type. He simply cannot appreciate the problems of the sales force. And we, uh, we had a very intense session before I left for lunch that day. Well, could you actually uh, lose your job? Yes. Well, I know how you feel about your work in the company, and I... If you were fired, it would be as if the world came to an end. <laughs> That'd be a dead pigeon. Ah, you just said it yourself. I'm kidding a little, but you just used the word dead. And with that in mind, you were walking in the cemetery, and there was your tombstone. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You're probably right. You have a tense situation with Mr. Vice President Jones, and it's if, well, it, it's as if your life has come to an end. You know something, Fred? Hmm. 
That's just how he makes me feel. And every time he does, if you walk in the park, you'll see your tombstone. Breakfast is ready, darling. Oh, I'm not hungry. Now, Fred says you have to have a sensible diet. You and I and Fred were kids together, hmm? That's right. You sorry you didn't marry Fred? Oh, Fred never asked me. Well, that's a reply that raises more questions than it answers. Would you have married Fred? I married you. Because he never asked you. Well, I suppose he had asked you. But he didn't. What would your answer have been? How do I know what my answer would have been? How do I know what I might have been feeling or thinking or dreaming about at that exact moment? Now, is it too much to expect a simple answer? Are you suspecting Fred and me of having an affair? Oh, I never said that. Then what is the purpose of this inquisition? I only asked you a very simple question. No, you asked a very complicated question, a loaded question. A question no man should ever ask of his wife and no wife should ever ask of her husband. Why not? When you asked if I were sorry I didn't marry Fred, what you really meant was, was I sorry I married you. Are you? Yes. Well, there are times I'm sorry. Just as there are times when you're sorry you married me. Well, isn't it that way with many married people? With all honest married people? Now, why don't you have your breakfast and go to your office? Uh, yes? Oh, yes. Yes, I did. Yes, I have not come in. Yeah, you uh, want to see me, Mr. Jones? Ah, uh, yes, yes, so I did uh, have a chair. It's up here now, a cigarette? No, no, thank you. No, yes, that's right, you don't smoke. Hey, how's your golf? Well, I have good days and I have bad days. <laughs> it's only all. How's Gretchen? Just fine. I heard you were a bit under the weather a few days ago. Oh, it's nothing serious. Well, I certainly hope so. You'll have to fire five men. I What? Unless you rather I did it. Fire five men? Well, I can't cover the territory now. Well, you know the rule. We pay 5% for sales and our sales volume is down, so we adjust. Well, I'll tell you why our sales volume is down. We took the quality out of the product. Uh, what we did was to invest a certain amount of manufacturing money in promotion. What we did was try to fool the public. And unfortunately, we failed. Ah, and who pays for it? Not the big wheels whose stupidity is responsible, but five little guys. Well, the world was ever to us. Don't you understand you're going to need these guys? We'll have to make more calls on dealers just to put out more fires. Just give me five names. How can I run my department? I'm shorthanded now. I was told to effectuate a savings of $75,000. But you can't do it. You can't destroy the sales department. This company will go out of business. Harold, you are becoming a fanatic. Whatever you want to call me, I built up the best sales force in the industry. Unfortunately, our volume doesn't support that statement. If every other department put out the way we do. All right. Now, you've made your statement. Fanatics usually become bores, and that's, that's, that's where we are now. Shall you give me the list? The names, please. You want to fire five men? I'll give you one name, and that's all. You can start with Harold Kenneth Starbright. Well, thank you, Harold. I was hoping you'd do that. 
I, I beg your pardon? No. What? Are you, uh, are you all right? Am I all right? I, um, I was walking along the park here with my little boy, and I noticed you standing here, standing very still, and just staring, you know? Just staring. Is, uh, that what I was doing? Yes. And I couldn't imagine. But, sir, you... You do look very pale. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm all right. Are you sure? Yes. You're very kind. Well, if you're sure you're all right, I... Uh, just a minute, ma'am. Hmm? I, I, I wonder if you could do something for me. If I can. This tombstone right over here. Yes? Would you read what's written on it? Would I read... Um, all right. It reads, Harold K. Starbright, born July 1st, 1937. Yes. And, um, died March 15th, 1978. You're positive? That's what it says. Yes, sure, that's, that's what it says. Doesn't something strike you as a bit strange? No, I... I don't think so. That date, March 15th, 1978. Well, what about it? It hasn't happened yet. Oh. It won't be March 15th, 1978 for more than a year. Um, uh, please, I- excuse me. Junior, come along now. Now, hurry, and don't stop to dawdle. That's, uh, that's what Fred told me would happen, and he's right. Every time I have a tense situation with Jones, I'll see my tombstone. And that's what it is. That's all it is. I'm not going to panic. I'm just not going to panic. Whether he does or not is something you'll find out a little bit later. Now, a loose end. Remember the gentleman Harold encountered at the beginning of our story? The one who called his attention to the tombstone in the first place? At the end of Act One, I said I would tell you more about him in Act Two. Well, I just didn't get the chance, that's all. But we will definitely hear from him again in Act Three, which I shall bring you in just a few moments. You've never had a really exotic car, have you? Because you've always felt that you needed something a little more down to earth. But you still want that exotic car, don't you? You know what you need? A Buick Skyhawk. It's small, it's V6 powered. Hey, it's even got a hatchback. Now that's down to earth. But with things like bucket seats, available five-speed manual transmission, and that laid-back, low-down styling, it's not exactly plain vanilla. The Buick Skyhawk. The car you need and the car you want. Today, Bensonville, Kentucky died, wiped out by a devastating plague that breaks down immunity to any disease. What's happening to me? Tomorrow, it will be Bridgeton, Minnesota, then San Salino, California, and only the deadly Messiah knows why. Please, help! The deadly Messiah from Avon Paperbacks. The one novel you will read this year as though your life depended on it. And maybe, just maybe, it does. Help! 
Everything else in the Army is for him. For information about opportunities in infantry, contact your local Army representative. He's listed in the yellow pages under recruiting. Seeing, they say, is believing. But what is seeing? No two pair of eyes ever see the exact same image. In the first place, we see what we want to see. And in the second, we can only see what we can physically register on our own more or less imperfect eyesight. The situation, as you can appreciate, is thus fraught with possibilities. How bad was it with Jones? It was the maximum. The ultimate. I'm out. Mm. I'm sorry. I had to leave. The place was destroying me. Made me doubt my wife and my best friend. Made me believe my life was finished. It's not, Harold. Of course not. I can find a better job tomorrow. <laughs> That's the way to talk. Now, I'm sure if you go back to the cemetery now, you won't see the tombstone either. Well, I might. I'm getting better, but I'm not really recovered from the shock of it yet. Well, the inhuman pressure is off you now. Now, all you have to do is just live sensibly. And don't let your next job become all-consuming. Oh, no, 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 I won't. I learned my lesson. Is the music bothering you, dear? Huh? Oh, no, 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 no. Well, why do you ask? Well, you seem to have such a pained expression on your face. Is something wrong? I was thinking, Gretchen. I might have been a bit hasty in leaving the job. I've been idle the past three months. Well, it takes time. It shouldn't take this much time. Damn, that Jones, he ruined me. Now, Harold. He made me quit. He got me mad, and he made me You're quit. You're not supposed to get excited. I let Jones ease me out of the best company in the industry. Well, you do just as well elsewhere. There isn't any elsewhere. And it's, 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 it's Fred's fault. If you lost your temper with Jones and quit, why is that Fred's fault? Because Fred steamed me up. Steamed you up? Fred was trying to calm you down. Well, it amounts to the same thing, doctors. Take it easy. Oh, Harold. Just didn't understand the nature of competitive business. He can sit back and wisely shake his head. Relax. Does he know the jungle many of us live in? Now, Harold, you're exciting yourself, and it's Does not... Fred relax? He works day and night himself. He's out to make the very last buck now, possible. Now, darling, please. Here. Here, swallow this. Huh? And, and you'll feel better. Here, come on. There. There, that's it. I wouldn't mind if I were killed by a tiger. But to get it from Jones, he's nothing but a hyena. Don't work against this pill. Just relax. I tell you... You'll feel much better. Well, I've 
I've got to get another job soon. Oh, it isn't as if we were starving. I've got to be doing something. Of course. Uh, you know, I feel sleepy. Mm. Is that what the pill's supposed to do? Oh, it's just supposed to ease the tension. <laughs> it's doing a great job. <laughs> Would you like to take a little nap? Middle of the day? Mm -hmm. well, I never did that in my life. Oh, it's a wonderful idea. Well, what do you do? Oh, I'll go to a movie. I'll be back in time for dinner. Sure you don't mind? Of course not, silly. Now, you just get some rest. I think I'll just stretch out here on the couch. Harold. Hmm, what? Mr. Starbright. Uh, is Terry off today? Terry? What do you mean, Terry? Well, Terry. T Terry Brzezinski. He's the regular man. <laughs> You're a great kidder, Mr. Starbright. What are you talking about? Who are you? Well, you know who I am. I'm Joe Cronin. I'm the regular man on this route. I've never seen you before in my life. <laughs> Mr. Starbright. You okay? You, uh... You say your name is Joe Cronin? You sure you're okay? Look, uh, uh, come inside for a minute. Well, uh, I, I gotta do my round. No, just for a minute. Oh, please, uh, sit down. Uh, now, uh, how long have you been the regular man? Well, it's gotta be uh, six months now. You've been the regular man for six months, you say? Sure. I've been bringing the mail every day. It's been exactly six months today. I guess I'm dreaming. You don't look so uh, good, Mr. Starbright. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Why are you wearing that heavy overcoat? Well, because I don't want to freeze to death. Well, how can you freeze to death in the middle of August? August? Hey, Mr. Starbright, what are you talking about? It's February the 5th. There's four feet of snow on the ground. That's impossible. Impossible? Take a look out the window. Uh, it's winter. Winter. What made you talk about Terry all of a sudden? He's, he's been dead for six months. Terry died six months ago? But he delivered my mail only yesterday. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> Sometimes you get up from a nap, you, you kind of forget where you are. Look, uh, look I got to be moving. I, I'm late. Oh, I got this letter for you from Kohler's. Uh, I'm not expecting anything from Kohler's. Well, your name's on it. It's impossible. From Kohler's? Well, maybe you did and you forgot. Now, wait another few seconds, please. Yeah, what's this? It says, 
Dear Mr. Starbright, the revolver you ordered is ready. But I never... There's got to be some mistake. But the letter is addressed to you. Mr. Harold K. Starbright, 18 Oriole Drive. He asked, but I... Well, it's, it's, it's a mistake. Yeah. <clears throat> well, i got to be getting on there. Wait a minute. The date, the date on the letter, February 4th. Yeah, that's yesterday. Yeah, but today is August 5th. I must have wakened you out of a real sound snooze. Yeah, I, I'm that way myself sometimes. Yeah, but today is August 5th. August? With snow on the ground? I don't care what anyone says. It's August 1976. Yeah. Well, don't bet any money you'd lose. It's February 1977. Well, then... Then I must be dreaming. Well, like I've been telling you... Oh, see you around. No, wait, wait, wait. Don't go yet, please. I, I'm 45 minutes behind schedule. Yeah, but now. I... I, I Look, the... I'm sure you'll be feeling better tomorrow. Come back. Come, come back. Is this... Really? February? It can't be. Of course it isn't. Green trees, lush grass. It's the middle of summer. It was a dream. A dream? No. No, it wasn't a dream. I know it wasn't a dream. Was it like the tombstone? A glimpse of the future? Gretchen, uh, what day is this? Thursday. No, I mean the date. August 6th. You sure? Uh, that looks like the mailman coming up the walk. You can ask him. Yesterday afternoon, I dreamed it was next February, and we had a new mailman. Old Terry Brzezinski had died. <laughs> it's nonsense. Terry Brzezinski's going to live forever. I'll get it. Good morning, uh, Mrs. Starbright. Yes, that's right. I'm the new mailman. Oh, did something happen to Terry? Yeah. He was killed in an accident last night. What? Oh. Oh, I'm terribly sorry to hear that. Yeah. Well, I'm the new guy. Uh, My name is... Your name is Joe Cronin. Oh. (laughs) Hey, how did you know? I saw you yesterday. Me? I wasn't here yesterday. Oh, uh, this is Mr. Starbright. Yeah, pleased to meet you. We've already met. We had a long talk. We did? Maybe I ought to say we're going to have a long talk one day six months from now. Yeah, well, sure. (laughs) I hope so. I'll see you folks tomorrow. Why did you talk that way? Is there any mail for me? No. Is there any mail for you? Oh, just a postcard from Fred. Hmm. They're in Paris. Why does he write it to you and not to us? Because he knows how bored you are with wish you were here postcards. 
Why did you talk so, so spooky to that poor old mailman? Because, because... Because? Uh, you wouldn't believe it. We should be doing this? Mm. After all, Harold. Oh, shut the door. Harold, what does Harold know? Oh, he'll hear us. <laughs> Good old Harold's fast asleep. Those pills you give him should do the trick. How much longer is old Harold going to last for it, honey? Well, not mm. too much longer. Well, suppose they do an autopsy. Won't they find... You know. Darling, I am his doctor. I'll sign the death certificate. <laughs> Who's going to find anything? Oh, you think of everything. Come on, give Gretchen a little kiss. Well, first, <laughs> give Freddie a little drink. Oh, I don't know what we have in the house. I do. <gasps> Let me give each of you a little shot. Oh, <laughs> yeah, Harold. Harold, please don't. I, I didn't mean she made me do Morning, officer. Morning, sir. Great day, huh? Oh, yes. Ah, I see there's a new tombstone. Is there? No, I don't count them. Excellently crafted stone. Work of art. Harold K. Starbright. Born July the 1st, 1937. Died March 15th, 1978. Oh, yes, yes, yes. He's the guy that was involved in those murders. Murders? Yes. It was in the papers. He's been in the dumps ever since he lost his job. He must be over a year. So one day he goes out and kills his ex-boss. And then he comes home and shoots his wife and her boyfriend. It's a tragic thing. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Never did stand trial, though. He was dying of some kind of uh, with disease. Nobody could figure out just what, but it, it, it killed him. Mm-hmm. It's just as well, I suppose. You're right about the stone. I never did notice notice this kind of thing before, but it's a beauty. Yes. But the one just over here to the left of it, that's even prettier. Hey. Oh, yes, that's right. Yeah. Isn't it magnificent? It sure is. It says, Philip Richard Maltby, born November 23rd, 1940, died... Hey. That's my name. That's my birthday. Well, it's probably a coincidence. <laughs> Died August 30, 1980. Now, how can that be? August 30, 1980. It's almost two years from now. That's... That's my tombstone. Officer. Officer, are you all right? That's my tombstone. I told you we'd hear from that gentleman again. And uh, perhaps I've been able to perform a most uh, vital service for all of you. Should you ever find yourself in a cemetery for any reason other than the ultimate, and a gentleman offers to show you some excellent examples of sculpture, avoid him at all costs. Radio Mystery Theater was sponsored in part by Buick Motor Division. This is E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater 
for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant dreams.